and welcome to this week's Tez FE podcast. My name's Kate Parker and I'm joined by Julia Balgatai. Hello. And joining us this week is Neil Bentley Gottman, the CEO of World Schools UK. Hello. Hello. And so it's been an exciting start of the week for you guys. On Tuesday, you announced that World Schools UK Live was going online. So normally it would happen um, in Birmingham in a big, massive arena, and now it's all going to be virtual. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what it's going to look like, what people can watch out for? Sure. Um, so it is very exciting that we're going online um, in in line with you know loads of trends now um, in careers advice and education where everybody's going digital. So we're really excited to be part of that. Um, so there are three big elements to it. Um, the first is... Um, the Spotlight Talks, which have been a stable feature of WorldSkills UK Online physically at the NEC um, since we've been uh, running that event. And that is all about um, bringing employers uh, together uh, to talk about um, opportunities, uh, to work with them, to take up careers and apprenticeships um, with them. It's been sponsored by BAE Systems, who um, were a core partner for us um, at WorldSkills UK Live. And so what we're really looking to set out to do is create a virtual experience so that anybody could log in anywhere from anywhere in the UK and be able to get access um, to the careers advice and be able to talk to employees directly um, on this platform. So it's a really, I think it's a really exciting step forward in any case, because I think that whatever we do coming out of COVID, this is going to have to be part of what WorldSkills UK Live is like in the future. Because in order to reach all, you know, more young people across the UK, there has to be a virtual footprint uh, to our event going forward. So this is a great way of testing that and seeing, you know, if you if you don't happen to live in the West Midlands or Birmingham, maybe say you're in Aberdeen or Belfast and you want um, to be able to talk to BAE Systems directly, then it's through WorldSkills UK Live Online that you should be able to do it, not just this year, but next year and going forward as well. And so, what, you, what, were you looking at anything digital like that at all beforehand, or is it really COVID that's sort of forced your hand a little bit on that? Yeah, it's COVID that's accelerated the development of all of this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've been talking about it, and we were, in for example, last year at live, we were broadcasting live and doing lots of things, um, creating content to go into schools, um, and we've done digital toolkits again for downloadable. Um, accessing to schools but this is the first time we'll be doing something live like this um, online where you can you come to us um, on the days which is 26 to the 28th of November um, but also what we're hoping to do is then have content created that we can use all year round that we can share with schools and partners and make sure that you know if you can't make it on those days that you'll still be able to get access to the careers advice um, all year round. And what will happen to the actual, you know, the national finals make up such a big part of live normally yearly. So have you postponed those or what, what will happen with the actual skills finals? Yeah, so we haven't been running um, a national cycle. Um, so there's no national finals this year. We've paused those and that is as a result of COVID. Um, we have stayed engaged with um, young people who registered uh, for the skills competition cycle this year. And uh, we've been supporting them uh, with webinars and workshops and developing um, online masterclasses for them. And we're hoping that uh, many of them will um, register for next year's uh, competition cycle. Um, and so that they can stay engaged and start the cycle, uh, which will culminate in WorldSkills Lyon in France in 2023. 
feels like a very long way away. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's all it's all about the cycles of world skills. But um, world skills, you go live online. You know, is there, there's a, there are other elements to it. There's the careers advice, but there's also we're doing for the first time an international skill summit. So that's all about bringing to the fore um, our international network and our international partners, and working with um, partners in business and um, education and governments across the UK um, to bring really to the fore this whole debate around what can we learn from other countries, what can we learn from global best practice and innovation, and how do we embed that into UK skill systems? So how do we bring that home and make sure that's having a positive impact on quality of technical education and apprenticeships? And that's a big new innovation for us to be able to, to do that in such a big way. Um, and then the third element is the Diversity Inclusion Heroes Awards, which we're doing in partnership with Coca-Cola European Partners. It's the second year we, we've done those. It's about celebrating diversity and inclusion across our network. And um, that will culminate in an awards ceremony in January. So you know, lots of exciting stuff um, that we're able to do virtually. And in, in, in a way, we're chunking it up um, and spreading it out a little bit. Um, but it's nonetheless really exciting that we're able to carry forward with these innovations. And I think, you know, as I said earlier, going forward, I think this will be a way of working which will become business as usual for us. We need to blend these virtual activities and footprints with running and um, physical events and physical competitions in the future. Are you at all, so obviously the, the careers advisor is largely aimed at the huge hordes of children and young people that we'd normally see around running around the NEC in, in Birmingham. Who is mm. the Skills Summit aimed at? I'm assuming that's not them. Well, the it'll be... No, the Skill Summit is aimed at um, uh, professionals and leaders um, in education and in businesses and governments. So it's more the what we were used to cater for in outside of the halls at, at the NEC, where we would have um, workshops and round tables and, and masterclasses. So it's really bringing that into to front and centre of the work that we're doing around um, you know, trying to mainstream excellence into UK systems. They would have been going on at, any, at the NEC, but you may not have known about them because they weren't you know, fully exposed on the, on the floor of the show. Um, so it's a way of making sure that um, business leaders, education leaders and government policy, policy makers and lots of our other stakeholders and think tanks and others can get involved um, in um, that sort of debate. And hopefully, Julia, you'll be involved as well, um, talking about it. And Kate, you too, you can all get involved. We'll certainly be there. Part of that. <laughs> Looking forward to it already. I'll, I'll miss my few days of running around. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it won't be as hard on the feet. <laughs> I guess with that, with that skill summit, that's kind of more than ever so important isn't it to gain international insight into not only you know the skill systems but how other countries have dealt with covid and economically and how you kind of rebuild skills after the pandemic yeah because I, I, I think that you know with um, brexit and now the you know skills led economic recovery from covid there is a lot of emphasis um policymakers but also employers as well looking at how do we drive up our competitiveness and how do we make ourselves internationally competitive and looking at how we drive up quality um, in technical education and apprenticeships. And, you know, we have this amazing international network that we can learn from. But it's not just saying, isn't that interesting and nice? It's, and how do we turn it into something? 
um, which really makes a difference on the ground. So turning policy into practice, we say global best practice into everyday practice um, in skill systems and how we're teaching, how we're training, how we're assessing young people so that coming out of our, our system are young people who are better prepared and meeting um, the standard that employers say they need in a range of skills. And as the economy is reshaping around us, we also need to make sure that you know, we are mapping across to digital skills and other STEM skills, industry 4.0, lab technicians. You know, the prime minister was talking yesterday about the need for more lab technicians um, as part of COVID-19. So we need to be aligning with all of those um, current and future skills needs to make sure that we are learning from best practice elsewhere and making sure that becomes part of best practice in the UK. And your centre of excellence um, that you unveiled this year, I guess, completely captivates all of that and your plan to really embed that. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's it in a nutshell is, um, you know, working with NCFE, set up a centre of excellence, which in the first year uh, working with 20 colleges to really transfer that know-how. The genesis of that came from research that we did with Oxford University, looking at the training behind Team UK, so the training methodology. How are we able consistently to train young people to world-class standards? And how do we turn that training know-how into something that um, all colleges can access? So it's really a CPD offer, workforce development offer, to try and create a, a world-class uh, cadre of world-class educators. Um, and, you know, in my mind, sort of, my mind's eye ambition for this is kind of, um, you think about Teach First for FE, you know, it's thinking about how do we, you know, give um, fantastic teachers in our FE system access to global best practice so that they're improving their practice and becoming even better um, trainers and assessors. But also, how do you then, how does that then help attract more people into um, the FE systems across the UK to drive up standards in teaching and training and assessment. So, yeah, so they are getting, you know, fantastic professional development. Young people are getting fantastic training and assessment. And ultimately, employers, the economy are benefiting, benefiting from higher standards. And that's something we've seen other World Skills members do um, really successfully. And it's something we thought, well, we need to be doing the same in the UK because our economy has those needs for higher standards and higher quality. So the Centre of Excellence is a really practical way for us to turn what we do with Team UK into everyday know-how that can hopefully um, help drive up standards in colleges across the UK and from next year training providers as well. In practice, what will that look like? How, how have you chosen the colleges that are involved and what will, what will they do now? Yeah, so, so the first cohort of colleges have been based on you know, kind of range of criteria like geography, so we get a good spread um, across the country. And the um, key elements of that are the first element is a train the trainer. Um, so we've got our um, high performance skills coaches who are also working as training managers for World Skills UK to train young people for international competition. They will be um, paired up uh, with colleges. Um, to mentor and coach um, teaching staff um, who had been selected by the colleges. And so they'll be delivering, if you like, a professional workforce training program. That will be complemented with digital workshops, so video content and learning libraries. Um, and so that's really all about that train the trainer, I guess, sense of, sense of what that program is going to be like and how they will get access to working with um, professionals and colleges. 
Also alongside it is um, work that we'll be doing um, to looking at how you develop standards, how you move a focus in qualifications from uh, competence to excellence, which again was the focus of the Oxford University research, looking at what other countries do and how you work with, for example, awarding bodies and others to really think about mapping qualifications onto world skills standards and globally within world skills there's work going on to look at the world skills global occupational standards and how you can bring those into national tvet systems um, and we'll also be doing more research and more case studies and other international systems so or so that we can benchmark and learn from those. But all of these things coming together is what the Centre of Excellence is all about. And say, my ambition is kind of like teach first for FE, where it becomes embedded in the system, becomes a go-to place uh, for people to think about um, professional development, professional prestige, and it being a network of professionals across FE systems um, in the UK who are helping drive standards um, and drive up standards so that more young people and their employers can succeed. And so if you're a college and you're not one of the 20, or if you're you know, a member of college staff and you're interested in finding out what you could do better or how you can reach that international standard, is it literally going to be a case of finding out who the specialist is in that field and getting in touch with them, or what do they do? No, no. So, so there are people. So we were quite, you know, in a sense, overwhelmed with the we had a quarter of all colleges wanting to get involved in the centre of excellence, and because we we're only able to choose twenty based on our criteria this year, um, what we've set up is an innovation network. So we're talking to the colleges who didn't get into year one, but who may get into year two or year three, and other colleges who want to work with us um, to get in touch with us as we're setting. So the innovation network will be a way for colleges to share best practice with each other and to benchmark with each other nationally, but internationally as well, get access to our resources and our research and, and how we do things um, within world skills and think about um, you know, uh, pairing up with colleges um, for example, across Europe or across the world. And that's with a view to then creating a network within the UK, which sits alongside and complements um, the centre of excellence itself. So there are, so we're creating new opportunities for colleges and training providers to get involved in that as well. So that's really quite exciting as well, that you know, the, the ethos of what world skills in the UK are about, is about is transforming as well. So it's about not just inspiring excellence in young people and developing it, but really helping through global innovation to mainstream excellence and back, in, back into systems and doing things really practically, which really help um, systems develop, help colleges develop, help college leaders also think differently about contribution they can make um, in their training and um, to the development of their local economies. And obviously, you know, you guys were supposed to be going to Graz in September for Euro skills, but that clearly, you know, got postponed because of the virus. And I think, is it is it now the end of January? It's um, it's currently um, scheduled for. Um, and I know you, you obviously have released your Graps team and everything. So how are you feeling about the competition? Are you worried that it might not go ahead, um, given the way that things are at the moment? Um, I'm not so much worried. I mean, it's due to happen at the beginning of January. I think, um, like everybody, you know, we watch the news and um, we've got everything crossed that it's going to go ahead because it's still, I think, if it goes ahead, will be a fantastic showcase for skills and a fantastic inspirational showcase. Um, so us and all the other members of World Skills Europe are, you know, really gunning for trying to make this a very COVID secure event 
but also at the heart of it, like any World Skills event, it's about giving young people a platform to show what they're made of and to help them succeed and give them a, you know, an amazing experience to demonstrate um, their skill. And so that's what we're gunning for. We've been um, you know, training um, over the summer and selected a team who've been able to do some training and are continuing to do training um, so that they can compete as part of Team UK. Um, and so, you know, like everybody else, we're, we're hoping that it will go ahead in a, in a COVID secure way um, and we'll keep our fingers crossed and keep watching the news, but we'll keep training because, um, as I said, I think at the heart of it is this amazing experience for young people and also a chance to show what Team UK is made of and the quality that we can achieve in the UK. Um, and, you know, we're developing you know, new competitions this year, Industry 4.0 we're doing for the first time, Chemical Lab Technician. Um, that we're doing for the first time. So it's developing new skills and developing new prowess, in a sense, and showing that UK skill systems are moving um, towards you know, economic need and making sure we're delivering what the Prime Minister wants and um, senior politicians want in terms and the employers want in terms of new skills. So there's a great opportunity to showcase all of that. And have you, you got any vision at all at this point what COVID secure might look like in an international competition? Context. Yes, I think it'll be less noisy. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, um, I think um, you know, what's being proposed is that delegations and teams will be in COVID secure bubbles in terms of how we think about moving around um, the event. Um, when you think about being to international competition, and you're watching the competitors and there's loads of people just running around all the time and huge crowds. That will be managed um, and better managed. Um, so I can imagine team people will be you'll be booking um, tours to go on tours, and how that all gets managed will be um, well done. I'm secure. I'm, I'm really sure. And then the opening and closing ceremonies will undoubtedly be different because they will have to be socially distanced as well. Um, and so the I know the Austrian organisers are putting a huge amount of effort into really thinking all of this through from you know when we start our Team UK journey in the UK getting to Graz in Austria at the beginning of January, then how we move around Graz and engage with the competition is all being thoroughly thought through and to make sure that everybody remains safe and to make sure that, you know, nobody falls ill while we're there in any of the delegations. So there's a, there's a huge amount of detailed work going on to make sure it is COVID secure. And I guess even um, in terms of you know, you were saying about the people going around normally when you're when you're in one of those arenas, like you said, there's crowds and crowds of um, people watching and that really brings an atmosphere to it. You know, for those for those um, young people competing, do you think they, they'll still be able to soak up that same atmosphere? You know, like in in the um, in the opening ceremony, everyone's absolutely buzzing and there's flags flying everywhere and the whole the whole um, competition just really has a buzz about it, doesn't it? Are you worried that? maybe that won't quite be the same in Graz. Um, I'm sure everybody there will be determined to, to try and recreate that buzz. And I've no doubt there'll be plenty of flags flying um, from every, every delegation. So we'll be determined to make this an amazing, unforgettable experience for, for, for all the competitors. But I think this is also something that, you know, will be a learning experience for world skills in Europe. Um, and then as world skills looks towards Shanghai globally next year, you know, we've got to try and find a way of running national and international competitions in a COVID secure way. And this is going to be for world skills, probably the first major international competition. 
And so it'll be different, um, but we're going to have to learn how to do this and to make sure we can do these international competitions safely um, to make, and also make sure there's a credible competition. And I know that World Skills is looking to go out some World Skills Europe, see what it can learn um, and share learnings with the Chinese, who are obviously watching it as well to see you know, how they're going to stage World Skills Shanghai and next September. And there's a lot of work going on to make sure that we make that COVID secure as well and create the confidence for all delegations to be able to enter teams and take teams to be able to compete internationally. So it is kind of learning experience of world skills, but it is something that um, I think we have to do um, to make sure that, um, you know, we're all learning how to run these competitions in a, in a really safe way and um, that people feel safe, but we're also able ultimately to celebrate young people, celebrate their skills and celebrate their success and inspire other young people, which is at the heart of what World Skills is about globally. Well, no matter what it looks like, we'll be cheering World Skills UK on and hopefully, Julia, you'll be there to see it in person as well. Absolutely. At a safe distance from you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't, don't worry, Julie, because we're, I'm sure we'll have World Skills UK branded um, masks for everybody to wear, so we'll be able to <laughs> see them. Well, that's an exciting prospect to look forward to. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Ian, and talking us through all of that. It's been great to speak to you. Great, thank, thank you very much. much. Thank you, and tune in in a couple of weeks when we'll have another special guest, as always. Thanks, and goodbye. Bye.